Welcome to Meeple to Meeple, uniting players around the world. A 30-minute exploration of PJ and Gareth's four-game experiences from across both sides of the Atlantic. Each episode, they share their thoughts and opinions on the world of board games, including their favourite themes, games, hot topics, and much, much more. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 67. That's right. We are still here, uh, and today is Don't Get Deserted. We're going to talk about a new game coming to Kickstarter called Isla. As always, I am PJ. And I'm Gareth. And uh, we've got an exciting never before. We've got three guests today, Gareth. This could be chaotic. <laughs> it could be sensational. Um, but we're going to learn about Isla that is uh, that I got to play, first of all, the UK Games Expo in 2022. Right. Um, and uh, the team behind Isla kindly sent me uh, a prototype, which I've been playing with friends and family, and the preview goes up on Tuesday. Um, but let's everyone introduce themselves. I'm gonna pick it, pick from my right, so Aaron. Hello. So, um, yeah. Firstly, thanks for for having us on on the podcast. We're very excited to be, here and hopefully, it's not too chaotic. Um, with having three of us here. Um, yeah. Um, I, I'm Aaron. So uh, yeah one of three in Ocean City Games, um, the publishing company that has created Isla. Uh, I tend to do a lot of the sort of behind the scenes, number crunching, um, yeah, some bits of art, um, and yeah, and just general game design. Okay, thanks, Aaron. Uh, so Alisa? Aaron's, Aaron's the number cruncher. I like that, yeah. Is, is, does that mean you're the data dude? The data dude, yeah, yeah that's, I like that's that. That's, that's one of the nicer monikers, I think. That's yeah. okay. I, I'm a data dude too. We can talk later. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> cool. Hi, I'm Elisa. So I tend to do most of the tr- critiquing when it comes to the games that we make. So I haven't had the initial ideas yet, uh, but I come in and go, "Oh, try this, try this, take that out." Um, and also, I'm the one behind our socials, so our marketing and things like that. Great. Thanks. So and that finally, confirms so, that confirms my story. Olita is the boss of this team. Yes, yeah. definitely. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Yeah, yeah, End yeah. the podcast right there. And everyone's just boss. nodding. <laughs> <laughs> Even I'm nodding. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Alex, the final third. The final third. Hi. Um, yeah, I'm Alex. Uh, so I do all the graphic design, uh, all the pretty pictures, uh, and then I come up with all the wacky ideas that break all the games. Oh, very important role. Very important. important role. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, shall we let Aaron give us an overview of the game uh, for those who haven't seen it, played it? Give us a, a kind of an overview of somebody starting out the game, kind of what the the theme is, and kind of the core mechanics. Yeah, absolutely. So, Isla is a a roll and write game uh, that encompasses some more of your typical board game. Uh, components and gameplay. Uh, the theme is that you have stumbled across, or you've set out to find a uh, an island that has uh, been has not yet been charted, and you need to make your way through the island, uh, discovering as many species of fossil uh, fauna and flora as you can, um, and make it off the island uh, successfully and safely. That's a that's a big one. Um, and yeah, uh, you along the way you earn uh, research points that will um, go towards your total at the end of the game. Uh, it's, yeah, as I mentioned, it's a roll and write. 
and there's a, a really fun mechanic within within the the movement of the island. So we come up with a, a dice exhaustion system uh, that uses five polyhedral dice, and that's a d4, d6, eight, ten, and a twelve. Uh, you'll choose from one of these dice in a dice pool, exhaust the one that you want to use, and then move the many as, as many spaces as the dice shows. Uh, however, what this means is as you exhaust the dice, you can no longer choose that die in a later round. Uh, so your your options for movement become less and less. Uh, however, throughout the island, there are certain spaces that you can stop and have a rest, uh, at which point you get a specific die back. So there may be a tile that has a, a D8 icon on it. And if you've used your D8 previously, you get that back. So it's really a efficiency puzzle in that you need to make sure that you've got enough dice available to you to keep hopping between all of these refresh spaces and able to make it to the end. Uh, one big question we get quite a lot when we're teaching the game at first is, well, why don't I just make my way to the end, get off the island, <laughs> you know, get those extra points for leaving the island first. Uh, and yeah, the, the biggest reason for not doing that is at the end of the game, you're going to get a minus one point for every space that you haven't explored. So every space you haven't drawn on. And bearing in mind, you can't backtrack on yourself. You can't uh, draw over a place you've already drawn on. Uh, yeah, the idea behind this being that, you know, you've, you've gone off to explore some remote island. You've just steamed through it. You've come back. And, and what stories are you going to tell? You know, you haven't really, haven't really soaked in all the experience of the island. So, yeah, you get more reputation the more you know about the island. You know more about the island the more you've explored it. I think that, I mean, the... Certainly, when I played it at the Games Expo, and then we've been playing it at home, that dice mechanic and the exhaust, the exhausting a dice, and then trying to get the most optimal route without losing the points and getting off the island first, but also collecting that fauna, flora, and the fossil part makes a really, a really nice puzzle. Um, particularly, pull off a nice little combo of trying to get that dice unlocked. Um, it's a really oh. clever part of the part of the game design. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, there's nothing more satisfying than getting the perfect roll on your, say, your D8 that sends you just to the next D8 refresh yeah. so that you can use it and then refresh it in the same turn. Uh, that's that's that, the ideal. I think it's the backtracking as well. The fact you can't, you've kind of not, a bit like Snake, you don't want to end up blocking yourself into a corner or somewhere where you just can't, you know, get back to optimally and call yourself negative negative points. Yeah, absolutely. That that happens in, in quite a few games. You're you're drawing your route out, it's going really well, and then suddenly you're like, oh wait, I can't get to those spaces anymore. Because if I do, then yeah, I guess like Snake, I'm going to eat my own tail. Like I won't be able to, I won't be able to get out. Lost um, forever on that exactly. on that on that island. What's the um, what's the journey been in terms of the des how long how long has the game been under design and it's taken a couple of years to get the Kickstarter since I guess I saw it. What's the journey been? Yeah, so we launched our first game back in 2020. Um, and obviously we've had a lot to do around distribution and, and, yeah. and you know everything that comes after a Kickstarter. So it was in about 2021 that we started developing this. Um, and at the we very were, end. Yeah, the end of 2021. So we, we were developing a, a different game. Um, I won't go into it in, in detail. But uh, yeah, it, 
we decided to to switch on to to this new one. So yeah, it's been about two years roughly okay. of of d- development. Um, we foolishly thought yeah yeah it's come, this it's come game a long way. was going to be easier to produce. <laughs> so we sort of thought this one will be um, it's a roll and write. How hard can it be to produce a roll How and write? How hard can it be? Just, and dice. I mean, it's got no no fancy yeah. components. It's yeah. just a set of Little dice. did you know? Little did we know. No, we fell right into that trap. Absolutely. <laughs> what, so what 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 happened? What was to, well, to, to the other game or no? Yeah, no. This game is that. It just it just took time to to fine tune or we just want we the more uh, we developed I, I think it, we sorry Aaron <laughs> no go on it's gone I was gonna say I I think just the more we um the more we fine tuned it and the more we worked on it I think the more the more perfect we wanted everything to be about it and the more experiential yeah. we wanted it to be like so what started off as a roll and write with um you know a pencil a pad of paper and some dice kind of we we suddenly we were like well this could be much more immersive if we have you know proper tokens and meeple this could be more immersive if we think about how we have other things that interact with them um, with the player um something aaron um i'm not sure if you mentioned actually but we have this kind of threat deck uh which kind of acts on the whole um rolling a, a one and that kind of negatively hinders your progress and suddenly we found ourselves going well this is no longer just a roll and write this is a a proper strategy that sort of bridges between uh exploring uh strategy and roll and write all together so suddenly we found ourselves this simple little roll and write had become this big journey (laughs) and also about a year ago we went we don't want this to just be a two to four player game we want to include a solo version as well. So that then we wanted to make sure we could get enough playtesting and make a really good solo version. So it's not the same game as the competitive two to four. It introduces a mythical keeper who's trying to protect the island. And um, so we've dedicated time to playtesting the solo game specifically, as well as the main competitive game. So that's lengthened the process a little yeah. bit. That that, that no. makes sense now, yeah. Cause I've, yeah, I've forgotten the ex- that was added on after the uh, after the UK Games Expo. I do like the threats that that threat mechanic that Alex mentioned, or um, where if you roll the ones, the the start player has to pick up that many cards and deal with it. But sometimes it's good stuff. I've got some in front of me. We might find the sights here, but a lot of the time it's booby traps. I mean, there's some hallucinations going on. <laughs> end up being poisoned. Um, it's not always a happy trip through that island. <laughs> oh no, no, no! Yeah, there's no, you know, it's it's, it's hard. It's a, you know, it's a, an island that you you have no idea what's going to happen. You know, new species. Uh, yeah, that threat deck was. It's taken some balancing, I think, and I think any time you're introducing luck into a board game, you've got to be very careful. Um, people enjoy luck in very different ways. There's uh, a quite a wide spectrum. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned about p- picking up as many threat cards as the ones you've rolled. That's yeah. So we had we changed that slightly. So now you you just draw one threat card, okay. no matter how many mm. ones you roll. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, we do. We don't want to be too punishing, um, and we also want to make sure there's equal opportunity for people to to receive threats. And yeah, we've we've also mapped out some alternative uh, alternative game modes. So that's taken quite a lot of time as well. So we have things like playing without a threat deck. We have an alternate map in in the works. 
um obviously obviously solo mode like like you mentioned uh, so yeah all that's kind of taking a lot of time and balancing and replay testing so I, I have a question about um, player count, Alita, you were talking about including a solo version. So yeah. one of the problems that I've had, exp general, this is a general experience, is our player group has five. Mm. So tell me, when, when, you were, when you were working this out and you, you landed on two to four players, um, how did you come up with just two to four? And is it possible to add a fifth player without altering the game experience too much well um that one seems like more of a question for aaron and alex oh. uh, okay but, um <laughs> i'm happy to take it yeah um, but i think mainly it's around um i don't think it would change too much of the gameplay but it's more the length of time yeah uh, for adding in the fifth player and we also don't want to have to increase the price of the game uh, quite a lot by adding in the tokens and the meeple um, for a fifth player. Um, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. I think you nailed okay. it. Um, we're a very, very <laughs> small publisher. Sure. You know, we, we, this is our second game. We want to make it accessible. Um, I, I think obviously gaming groups in, in terms of numbers vary drastically. Um, yeah, four was kind of the sort of sweet spot for us when we're looking at manufacturing and stuff like that. Yeah, want to keep the price point down. Uh, there's nothing stopping you though for you know getting two copies between a gaming group, mixing all the research cards together, all the threat cards. Um, in theory, you could you could just get an extra set of tokens and have an extra um, map. Obviously, that's untested in terms of how many research cards are available and threat cards. But you you have uh, there's quite an exceeding amount of of research and threat cards. So mm. um, yeah, we have found that that can work. Uh, yeah. But yeah, in terms of what you'll get in the box, you'll just have the four set of tokens. And I think okay. that's also where we differ from most rolling rights, because like you'd say, most rolling rights you can have up to a hundred players. Yeah. And um, but yeah. we in a way also like myself personally i think it's more important to include that solo game because there aren't that that many games out there that focus on a solo mode that's slightly variant from the main game so i thought that was to my personal opinion a better thing to focus on than the five players as well absolutely absolutely yeah no so thanks and um aaron one of the things i was thinking about was a different map is that something that's been easy to add or I guess balancing can be quite tricky in terms of the route. How different is the map? Um, or is that something coming later? It's it's fairly new. It's not drastically different. Um, but in in this game where you've got an, it's like it's an eight by eleven grid for those who don't know, um, you start taking out some of these spaces. And although you know there might be two or three spaces missing, it has quite a dramatic effect on on the balance of the game. Um, and we've also changed things like the placement of the die refreshes um, to make it a little bit more chaotic, actually. Uh, to give you a background of the idea that we have for the alternate map, it's set in the future when humans have started messing things up. So, you know, if they've brought their ships over, they've started to mine the quarries, chop down oh. the forests, you know, all that <laughs> yeah. bad stuff. Rising ocean yeah. levels, you know, so some of the tiles have sunk. Um, 
yeah, so it, it does look fairly different, and we've played it, and it, and it works. It really <laughs> works. And oh, yeah, Elite One, of course she's. Yeah. It, so far, it's worked, and it's sort of been like, oh, I don't know why it's worked. I was, hoping, I was thinking, you know, I have to do a lot more fine tuning, um, and we still do have some of that to do. Uh, but actually, yeah, I guess a long answer to your question, it hasn't been as hard as we thought so far. <laughs> it's good because I think it was one of the things about, was it about maybe replayability that after a while, even the randomization, you might start to work out a bit of an op- optimal route. So having another choice of map sounds like a great idea. I love the, th- the theme of the future. Well, the current day, I guess. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, we want to keep people engaged. Um, and that's where all the alternate game modes come in as well. And we're planning on some online content as well that we'll release okay. afterwards, which Alex can tell you. I can actually. More about. Yeah, we, we, so we, <laughs> Go for so, it, Alex. In the solo mode, we've got these um, these keepers, which are kind of like mystical creatures that protect the island. So uh, it's quite exciting. It's it's an intense play, actually, and one that I'm terrible at. But what in instead of sort of competing against each other, you have these um, these little monsters moving across the map, chasing you down. Um, I'm, I'm not supposed to call them monsters. We're supposed to be calling keepers because <laughs> it sounds safer and like less they less like they're horrible monsters because <laughs> they're not they're very lovely. Um, but they will make you lose the game when you're playing on your own. So they're kind of chasing you down. We did some nice um, illustrations for these, and, and we've got these four primary keepers that sort of uh, like an easy mode, a medium mode, a hard mode, and a really, 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 really hard mode um, to play against. And um, not that I've beaten the easy mode yet, but I'm working on it. But we kind of thought, like, what I like about this is that there's this kind of, with a solo mode, there's this constant play, like replayability. And actually, if we kind of adjust those rules a little bit and sort of push the boundaries of where we can take those solo play rules, like, you know, do we start to, mess around slightly with the way that those keepers interact with the tokens and things like that do they interact with the way that you as the player move and things like that we can sort of slightly vary the gameplay for every solo play experience so we want to introduce this what we're calling a keeper compendium online so that um we can have guest illustrators and designers and things submit um ideas and we can come up with our own as we go and and have these constant challenges like on our website and you know it'll just obviously just be a part of a part of our website that anyone can access that has the game i mean it's pointless to access it if you don't have the game <laughs> but you know <laughs> but some people might want to i don't know but we yeah it's, yeah exactly so it's <laughs> it's kind of a nice little um just like a way of keeping the sort of uh, momentum fresh and um that replayability really is that something that will go live through the Kickstarter? You encourage people to submit those ideas, or is that something that happens? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Post game. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, we're we're working on having a few things ready, um, like for the launch. But yeah, I, I mean, I can absolutely foresee us doing that as part of our Kickstarter campaign. Really, is like, um, so uh, encouraging a little bit of contribution there, a little bit of um interaction. I I just kind of like I am intrigued as to like. When people we mentioned earlier about the kind of pushing the boundaries and adding an extra player, um, I'm like I'm all for doing stuff like that, you know. Like I'm all for messing around with the way that you play a game um, and sort of introducing your own rules and stuff like that. In the you know, unless it's Monopoly, um, but um, you know, I'm, I'm all for all that. Kind of, <laughs> I'm all it. for that kind of stuff. So like, um, you know, I'm I'm intrigued as to what other people come up with. Um, when we when we released Salvage Hidden Treasures, our first game, we 
when we um when we went to UK Games Expo following that we had a few people talking to us about how they'd done things a little bit differently they'd you know they'd played with five or six players they'd changed the way that the maps worked instead of having this um equal four by four grid that they they were looking at sort of going actually we can make a, a different shape to that it doesn't matter we can sort of change the way that we play the game and i like the idea that yep. people come up with their like we'll, we'll see things that we haven't and that's really really cool and alex um you're the artist behind the game is that all all been designed from the start in terms of i guess look and feel or has there been like an evolution or a change of direction as you've gone through the the artwork process well interestingly this one has been a, a collaboration between myself and aaron so aaron's a bit of a wizard okay. as well as with the data with um 3d so with blender and um early on when we were looking at how this how the artwork for isla was going to look we played with a few different ideas i started coming up with these kind of um, elaborate layouts in photoshop coming up with these vector illustrations of jungles and things and um, me and Aaron were looking at this kind of um, minimalist, low-poly 3D stuff at the time that's been used like, yeah. really successfully in a lot of like indie video games. And we were kind of looking at it again, why can't we use this in a board game? I think it'll just work really, really nicely. We can bring this really vibrant, colourful world to life in a board game. So, um, so yeah, it's a bit of a collaboration between us. So I've, I've designed tokens and all the cards and all the layouts and I, I've sat, I, I was the sucker that had to sit and work through the design for a rule book and stuff which for anyone that's designing games out there will know the pain of putting together a, like, a rule book for a board game um <laughs> no we need more pages no we need more pages that um but yeah it's been a really really nice collaboration and i think me and aaron work really well together on this this kind of artwork style so um, it's been fun i've learned a bit of 3d in the process as well which has been good oh, that is good yeah the um yeah. the rule book i uh I gave good thumbs up to. It oh, was good. nicely laid out, and 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 I could teach and learn from it very quickly. So I'm a bit of a stickler for rule book. So you've you have passed uh, the oh, rule book check. I will put games back on the shelf if, I, if it's too hard, and I've got to get mm-hmm. a video. Absolutely, it can stay unplayed yeah. for a while because I just haven't. You know, it's got to be easy. So that's yeah, well done on that one. Excellent. Hey, so um, in the the in the process when y'all started. When you decided you're committed to this this idea for this game, was it always the plan to go through Kickstarter, or uh, how did that conversation develop? Should I go earlier? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think going forwards, we'd like to continue to be a indie publisher. So going through Kickstarter, manufacturing underneath our name. Um, that's what we did for our first game and we learned a lot from it um so that's something for our second game we want to stick with so we can learn more and understand um the board game world a little bit more as well okay so uh how smooth was your first experience with kickstarter oh Oh, it was beautiful (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) it it wasn't it, it it was I mean, it, it was it was all new to us, wasn't it? Right. And I mean, we we got we got everything done, and we got you know we stuck to our deadlines. We we got the the game shipped as we expected it in time, uh, but it was a lot of work. It was COVID. Yeah. It was COVID say, yeah. I was just looking now. Mm. Game Geek. It's twenty twenty, so that must have been a yeah, yeah. a challenge in we, its own right. We did something very clever. 
and we <laughs> we saved uh i guess some time uh but mostly money uh we wanted we wanted it to be as as cheap as we as we could get it for our backers so we thought right we're gonna it's a low run we're gonna do a lot of this stuff ourselves so <laughs> I, I won't bore you with all the things that we talked sure. we said we'll do on our our own but one of them was the inserts so we had this card insert in the game yeah stop all the components flying about and we went oh we, we don't need to pay for tooling and cutting for these well you know it's it's, it's a quite a short run alex do you, should we just do it on a weekend <laughs> oh my goodness cutting out <laughs> hundreds of these card inserts took us days and our hands were cramping up by the end of it. And it got to the point where a day before we had to ship all these, we still had about 100 to do because <laughs> I think I'd been ill. And we were just there, had 50 sheets between us, cutting them out. It was awful. It nearly I killed Aaron. Oh, that nearly killed Aaron. <laughs> yeah, a broken man. Yeah. That was, yeah. So if I anyone owns a copy then. of um, Salvage Hidden Treasures and looks at that lovely, lovely in- insert, which is very nice, you can sort of know that. Mm. Well, not literal, but, but nearly, because we did it with um, with um, exacto knives and um, and rulers and stuff. But like, <laughs> yeah, that that nearly killed us. So if you've got one of those, it, that was hand done by by the creators of the game. <laughs> Handcrafted. Wow. I remember looking at this. It was this was the expo as well? I think. Now look, now look at the artwork. It looked like a good game. Um, yeah. the, the design and the artwork layout was really nice. Thank you. And just behind a rule book is a good insert. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was last week's episode. We were talking about inserts, weren't we? Yeah, we, we were. Talking about, we talked um, about Darwin's, Darwin's Journey. journey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the deluxe edition comes with a really nice insert. And PJ mm. was complaining that the retail version comes with nothing. Uh, it's just how, how vastly different the experience is in terms of setup and put away when you've got a decent insert. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife and I were playing a game this morning that's predominantly cards, and we were commenting on how nice the insert was. And that's that's not common, right, for a game to come with a decent insert. And it, it really makes it makes a it makes a game after oh, yeah. the rule book. After if Gareth can teach it to me, then he's going to keep it playing on the table. And if it's insert, if if <laughs> if it doesn't go all over the place, I'll always ask for it. So. <laughs> the worst just, thing is when the game comes and the insert's so bad you throw the insert away. Oh yeah, yeah it's just money and oh. environmental waste. Oh, Sometimes they are shockers. I'm just throwing so, a note as well um, to add an insert to our manufacturing. <laughs> <laughs> the question is no. though, do you always lift up the insert to see if there's any? Yes. Underneath? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Every good. time. No. Don't no. You, PJ, you no. might have missed. So oh, no, I know. You always got to okay. check. I there is anyway. no reason. I... There is no reason for you to hide components of your game <laughs> underneath oh. the insert. Seriously, but sometimes there's extras. things there. Yeah, I, I just check anyway. I have then to it check. should be in the insert. I'm no, paying you my money, so I can. There's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do surprises. <laughs> when you come over, I'm going to hide some components under the tray, just, oh, great. just, just so you can oh. hunt for them. Well, that's fantastic. I need to look at your games collection, PJ, and think what games might have some hidden components. Hmm. We know one. We know one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Alita, this comes to Kickstarter on Thursday. the 8th of Feb. Yes, Thursday. And what time do you guys go live? We're going live at 10 a.m. GMT. It's, uh... 
nice thing to do before your lunch break. Yeah, just that little pressing go. And then how long is the campaign running for? Uh, it was running until the end of February. So okay. exactly three weeks later on the 29th of February, 8 20. p.m. Okay, 29th of February it is. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, yeah. uh, listeners, don't forget to check out um, Kickstarter on Thursday at 10 a.m. on the 8th of Feb um, when um, the game goes live. Yep. Um, any questions, people do just drop me in the comments or drop me or PJ a message or the guys at Ocean City Games a message on Instagram uh, and we can answer those questions there. I'd like to thank Aaron, Alex and Lita for joining us. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks for taking the time into your day. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks PJ. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please subscribe. And as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas. So make sure to leave those in the comments. And don't forget, you can also chat with us both on Instagram, at meeple to meeple.